several years ago, uh, my wife's family decided to have a big family reunion. And I come from a family that we never did family reunions. I don't think we've ever had one. And uh, I don't know if her family had had a lot before, but they decided they were going to have a big family reunion for the Finn family. So um, Irish family, in fact, I think Kelly's great-grandfather, is that right, came over from Ireland. Um, if not great, the one, the one you know, be above that. But, uh, and, and came over here, and, and I'm making up these numbers probably, I'm not meaning to, but it had like nine kids when he got here, and so all of those kids started families, and like my uh, father-in-law, he was one of seven from his branch of that family, and so this, the Finn family arrived in America and just like exploded everywhere, and so they decided to have this family reunion, and so all the Finns came together, and I think it was in Ohio. Was it in Lima? In Lima, Ohio, we all got together for this Finn family reunion, and there were 200-plus people in this, in this uh, hall celebrating this reunion, and it was like the, one of the weirdest things I've ever went to because everybody had the same name and nobody knew anybody because every family had just kind of gone off in their own direction, and so they all trace back to the same ancestor, but they never really stayed in touch that much. And, you know, added to me, my name's not Finn, my name's Wood. So I knew, like, my wife and my, my uh, father-in-law and Kelly's brothers. That's about it. But it was just kind of an odd situation, and I think it went so well that it's never happened again. Um, but we were surrounded by family, and yet we were like strangers at the same time. And I think sometimes that describes how we feel in our lives sometimes. We can be surrounded by family. We can talk about big extended families, and maybe you, your family is a big family reunion family. And still you can go to those things and still feel awfully disconnected. But sometimes it's even with the people that live in our own houses. Where we're like, yeah, I'm related to you. I might even be married to you. Or it might be your parent or your child or whatever. And we can feel so disconnected. And I think another thing that was really brought to mind going to that reunion was this, that family is more than name. Everybody there was named Finn, and technically everybody there was related. But I'm not sure everybody there felt like family. Family is more than just a name. It runs a whole lot deeper than that. But this morning as we come, each of us comes having some context of family that's part of our stories. Um, The fact that you are here means you had a mother and a father. But most of us grew up in a family situation. Now, some of us were privileged and blessed and fortunate to grow up in a really strong or supportive or loving or, or healthy or at least, you know, nominally healthy family. Others of you, as soon as we start talking about family, you start to have like almost negative emotions hit you because it conjures up and brings up to the surface some of the hurts of the past. And I apologize for that out of the gate this morning because I know that happens and that's not my intention to go there at all. But I know that brokenness is part of family life. And I would say this for some of you who have experienced deep brokenness in, in your family story. I'm, I'm very sorry, and I'm so sorry for you, but there's hope. Because we still remain in contexts of family. And in those contexts, there's, there's the 
the hope of redemption even in the greater story, but there's the hope of the future in your story as well. And so as we dive into this series, which is about family, and we can't go there without uncovering levels of dysfunction or disruption or disappointment or whatever the case may be. That's going to happen. But I hope that as we uncover some of those things in the process, that we uncover also hope and ideas and encouragement and even the potential of what can be. And so we go here cautiously and carefully, but I think we can go here and for the next five weeks walk away with with new vision and maybe new energy and, and maybe encouragement to say, you know what? This can be better than what it is. Because regardless of what your family situation is, it can be better. Because we're asking this question, are we there yet? No, we're not. And I don't care how good your family is, you're not there yet. It could be better. Because if you're a mom, you could be a better mom. If you're a dad, you could be a better dad. If you're a husband or wife, you could be a better husband or wife. Or you could be a better grandparent, you could be a better child, you could be a better cousin, you could be a better son-in-law, you could be all these different things. So maybe we're not asking the right question. Maybe the right question isn't, are we there yet, but are you there yet? Because families get stronger as each individual in the family grows. And as you and I take responsibility for ourselves, guess what happens? Our families get better. And our relationships that come in the context of the family get better as well. You know, the older I get, I think the more aware I become of my own brokenness. And I don't like it because it's painful to have to work through that. I don't like it either because I know my brokenness and it's injurious to people around me. But I'm also learning that as I work on my brokenness, not in a selfish way, but in a responsible way, as I work on that, my relationships grow and deepen and build. And so this morning, I want to encourage all of us to think about this question, am I there yet? Am I there in my relationships? Am I there in my faith? Am I there in filling the roles that I have? Am I there in being who the people around me need me to be? Because I am a family member. I am a family member. Now, in the future weeks, we're going to talk about some of the different roles and responsibilities you have in your family. But for this week, I just want to talk about that simple idea that somewhere, somehow, you are a family member. So as I often do, I want to start this morning with some questions for you. And then I want to look at a story that makes some very simple, but I think some very important points that will provide a foundation for where we're going in the next uh, five weeks here. So the first question is this, what is your role in your family? What is your role in your family? You actually play many, and you play them sometimes by title, you play them just simply by relationship, 
So for instance, I'm just going to give you some of my family roles, and these are pretty much in chronological order. So I am, first of all, a son. When I became a son, I also at the exact same time became a nephew and a brother and actually a cousin. Now later on, I became an uncle, and then ultimately I became a husband. And when I became a husband, I actually became an in-law too. And then finally, I became a father. So those are all roles that I have in my family, and that's just chronologically. Now, I could take those roles and I could separate them out a different way. And I could say I am a husband first, and that is my first priority in my roles, is to my wife. And I believe that very strongly. Then I'm a dad to my kids. And then some of these other roles start to fall into place. Um, But what are the roles that you have? And so I just want you to think about that. That's just a simple question this morning. What is your role? Who are you in your family? Because when you start to think about who you are, it reminds you of the fact that there's a person on the other end of that connection. So if I'm a brother, there's Rick and there's Galene, right, in my story? Or if I am a son, there's dad. <laughs> I was going to call him Chuck. It just didn't sound right, right? Dad, okay? And, you know, if I, if I am a dad, then there's Luke and there's Allie and there's Lindsay. And so there's these people on the other end. But here's why that's important to think about. Because if I can be a better dad, then it's going to be better for Lindsay, Allie, and Luke. And if I can be a better husband, well, then it's going to be better for Kelly, right? And if I can be a better son, that's going to be better for my dad, okay? In every relationship that I have, if I can get better, I'm going to make the lives of people around me better because I am connected there. So that's the first question. What is your role in the family? And let me ask you a second question then. What is your role in the family? Now, if that sounded like the first question, it's only because the words were the same. The question's totally different. What is your role in the family? And by this, I'm starting to talk about your responsibility, your area of contribution, what you actually bring to the family. So now I'm not just talking about being a dad in my family. I'm talking about being a provider or I'm talking about being a counselor, or I'm talking about being an encourager, or I'm talking about being an accountability sometimes, right? And I'm not just talking about being a husband in my story. I'm talking about being a a source of security and a source of stability and a friend and a companion and a comrade and all of these things. What is your role in the family? What are you bringing to your family? How are you contributing in making your relationships better because of who you are and how you are playing out your role? And when we talk about this, then we start to pull in all of these things that make us us and that make you you your personality, your viewpoint, your experiences, your passions, your faith, all of these things which make you unique are the gifts that you bring to your family. 
And where have we pulled you out of that context, your family is going to be worse off because of that. And we feel that sometimes when we lose somebody close to us, right? The gifts that they bring are suddenly missing. And there's a huge hole there. And there should be. But that means that you, as you sit there this morning, I don't know if you're there yet or not, but you have incredible potential, you yourself, to move that car down the road of relationship. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, is that you can make a huge difference in the story of your family. So we play roles according to relationship. We play roles according to our personalities and our giftings. And sometimes even in our stories, we have to play roles in our families just because of necessity. And sometimes we're asked to step in and play a role that maybe we wouldn't even pick. You know, like sometimes as parents, we get to play the role of correction officer. If you're a kid, it's really not that fun, okay? Just just telling you that. But sometimes we do have to step into these. And sometimes we have to step into the, the role of encourager. We have to step... Let's not shy away from these roles, though, because anytime we have an opportunity to step in, that means that we're also stepping towards. And if we can step towards, we can start to have greater impact. All right. That leads to the big question of the series, are we there yet? But when I ask that question, what I'm really asking is, are we filling the role that is ours to fill at the level that we should be filling it? Are you filling or fulfilling the role that God's given you or that you find yourself with in your family story at the level that you need to? Are you being the husband or the dad or the wife or the son or the brother or the grandparent or the cousin that you can be? And the answer is probably not because... None of us actually arrives ever. And there's no such thing as a perfect family, so that means if you're a family member, you can never play your role perfectly either. In fact, we can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and we know that that's true, right? The first family had all kinds of trouble as well. But I hope that we can move the family down the road a little bit. We have something that we use at our house. It's called the Find Friends app. Does anybody have that on your phone, Find Friends? This little app where you can track people, and they have to agree to this. But mom has this on her phone, and then all the kids' phones are synced to it. And so we don't call it the Find Friends app in our house. We call it the Mom Stalking app in our house. And so mom knows where all of her kids are at any given time. Well, it's actually pretty fun because, like, if the kids are coming home, it's like, how far is, you know, Luke's coming home from, from Cornerstone there. How far is he? Well, he's, you know, just going past you know, Flint there or whatever, and we can kind of keep track. And so it's very fun to have. It's not always fun to to have, though, if you're on the side that's being stalked. And I remember back before Christmas, um, I was out in Rochester, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop at Barnes & Noble real quick here because I'm, you know, and it's right before Christmas, right? And so I'm in Barnes & Noble, and I get this call on my phone, and I pick it up, and it's Kelly, and she's like, what are you doing at Barnes & Noble? I'm like, is it Christmas time, Cal? Like, do you need to ask me questions right now? And I just hung up. No, I didn't. But but that's what I want to do, okay? In five weeks, if we could track you on the app, can you take steps that will help you make progress 
And as you make progress, all those people that are sitting in the car with you, guess what? They're going to come with you as well. So let's look at Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to talk about a family here that had incredible hardship and heartbreak. And it's the first family. Adam and Eve, and this is the story of their two sons, Cain and Abel, and a story that goes horribly wrong. And I want to look at this story, though, because, as I mentioned, there's foundational principles here that will help us as we take the next, I was going to say step. How about we go the next mile down the road? Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And I just want to pause here for a minute to say that this happens after the fall. The birth of Cain happens after the fall. But the idea of family, excuse me, came before the fall. So God had already said to Adam, and Eve, you're going to be, you need to be fruitful and to multiply. And then Adam and Eve sinned, and God didn't say, okay, all bets are off. You know, I had this plan, but you guys just really messed it up. And rather than go with this, we're going to start over. He's like, you know what? I had this plan from the start. You messed it up, and we're going to keep right on going with this plan. Now, that means two things. That means that the plan itself is awesome, right? It also means that when we have sin part of the picture, that the plan's going to get altered and skewered and, and uh, you know, look bad at sometimes too. But the relationship, so the family was before the fall. Actually, the relationship of Adam and Eve was the start of the family. It wasn't when Cain and Abel came along. It was when God said, we're going to take man and woman and we're going to put them together to be one flesh. And that's when the family started. And I just mentioned that, and we may get to that in future weeks, but marriage is the start of the family. And it's always the most important part of your family too. If your marriage isn't good, your family has no hope of being good. But if your marriage is good, you've you've taken a huge step there. But if you have to give priority to your wife or to your husband or to your children, pick your mate first. Now, don't just blow the other ones away or off. But start there because that's where your priority was because that's the way that God created them. But then they had children and God said, hey, populate the earth. And you're going to populate the earth by means of family. And so your kids are not the result of the curse even though it feels that way sometimes. Your kids are the result of God's goodness in your story. And Cain and Abel were a result of God's goodness even in their story, even as bad as it went. Verse number two, later, Eve gave birth to his brother Abel. Cain's brother Abel. Now Abel kept the fox and Cain worked the soil. And this isn't surprising that they were different because I don't care if you have 20 kids, they would all be opposite somehow to each other, right? And so these two boys are very different, different gifts, obviously different personalities, temperaments, interests, whatever like that. Probably was interesting for Adam and Eve to even observe that. But neither was better than the other. Cain wasn't better than Abel because he was good with crops and Abel wasn't better than Cain because he was good with animals. But it says this, in the course of time, Cain brought... Some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And that word offering there is a Hebrew word that means gift. Sometimes we think of offering and we think of sacrifice. And that may be part of it. But this is actually a word that means gift. Verse number four, Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. 
And the Lord looked on favor on Abel and his offering or gift again, but on Cain and his gift, he did not look with favor. Now, we're not told why. We're not told that Cain brought the wrong offering and that Abel brought the right offering. It doesn't tell us that at all. In fact, it might make sense that Cain brought food offerings because he was raising food or, or farmer offerings because he was a farmer. It, it makes sense that, that um, Cain or, or Abel brought the, the other. We don't really know. We just know that God's like, um, Cain, that offering doesn't work. That gift doesn't work. And, and Abel, yours does. And so it could have actually just been the quality of the gift. It might have been the attitude behind the gift. It may have just been a reflection of the relationship. It may have been simply that Cain came out of religious duty or religious obligation to say, okay, you require this. Here's my offering. Here's my gift. And it may have been that Abel came out of a meaningful and close relationship with God where he's like, I want to give this to you. It could have been that. We don't really know. We just know that God rejected Cain's offering. End of verse 5. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you, and you can underline that word you, do what is right, will you not be accepted? Hey, Let me just stop you for a second here, Canaan. I know you're upset with me, and I know you're upset, but if you would just do the right thing, this would all be okay. This is on you, Cain. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must master it. That may have even been a reference like the bitterness and the anger that's in your heart right now is putting you in a very dangerous place. But this is an issue between God and between Cain, and Abel has nothing to do with it until you see what happens next. Now, when Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. Wait, why? Why was he mad at Abel? He should have been. If anybody needed to be mad at he could be mad at God. God was the one who said, I'm not accepting that. And yet, he took it out on his brother, and he put the blame off of himself and onto his brother, And then the Lord said to him, verse number 9, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said to him, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out uh, to me from the ground. So let me just give us five simple things here this morning that I think will be helpful as we talk about what your role is in the family. The first thing is this. The purpose of family is good. So we can experience good in our families. Unfortunately, we experience brokenness and hurt and harm and and all of these things because we live in a broken world and we live outside of the garden. But there is the potential for good in your family. And whatever the state of your family is or your relationship, there is still hope in this moment. But I think our actions need to reflect this idea. If God created families to be good, and I believe that He did then the relationships that I am somehow still have that potential for good in them because God redeems stories, then I'm going to have to act on that belief. And I think sometimes we give up on situations. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up on this idea of family because God hasn't. And He never has. And even with the fall, 
And even with sin coming into the picture, God was still, hey, have a family. What did Eve say? I've gotten a man from the Lord. God ordains families and still there, or there still is hope in your family. Secondly, while we may want to excuse our brokenness by blaming other people in our family or by blaming our family ourselves, and there may be, good even, may be even good reason for that, while we may want to excuse ourselves, we still need to be responsible for ourselves. Other people may have hurt me, and that's fair, and that's probably true. If, if your family involves anybody besides you, there's probably been some hurt in your family. Okay? But to blame them for who you are or choices you make or where you happen to be seated, even emotionally at this moment, isn't really taking responsibility like you need to. What you're doing is you're blaming Abel for your cane problem. And you're like, well, I don't have a cane problem. Okay, get the point. The point is that we need to take responsibility for ourselves. And sometimes we can even look at our family of origin. And, you know, we all come from dysfunctional, broken, crazy families. And it's easy to say, well, I'm just that way because my family was that way. And I get that. And that's actually a fair statement, right? But don't stay there. Say, you know what? I can be who I need to be as a member of this family. And don't give other people or don't give your past or whatever the power to control you and limit the potential. Instead, you say, you know what? I am a family member and I am responsible for, for me so I can actually do something about the situation that I'm in. When we fail to accept responsibility as ours, we actually tend to do more damage to people in our family. And that's what happened. Because Cain didn't take responsibility, Abel suffered the consequences for it. But I wonder, in our stories, if we could do the opposite. Where if we would take some responsibility and some initiative, and grace always goes first, and if we could step into some of the situations in our stories, we might actually bring some healing and mending. I don't know, but I'd like to encourage us to explore that. Thirdly, we must allow for, understand, and even celebrate our differences as family members. Differences have the ability to complement, but they also have the diff- uh, they also have the potential for um, friction. And we come in these families, and we're all so different. And if we can put all of our differences in on the same team and take the court, we're going to have a pretty effective team. But but if we take those differences and we let them become points of contention, we're going to have a pretty dysfunctional team. And Cain and Abel were, were very different. And, and, you know, Cain's issue was with God, not with Abel. But I just look at that story and look at those differences and said, what if... What if what of those differences could have been something that was a positive instead of such a negative? Fourth thing here. As family members, we have the responsibility to other members of our family. As family members, we have responsibility to the other members of our family. To answer Cain's question, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is a resounding absolutely yes. We are our brother's keeper. God showed up to ask Cain because Cain was responsible in that moment, right? But we are responsible for our relationships to our family members. 
And we need to be committed to their well-being. Now, we may not be able to fix them, and we don't need to judge them, but we need to do everything that we can to make their lives better in any way that we can. Now, it's easier, I suppose, than your parents when your kids are home. But, you know, I think you can still do that once they're gone. And you do have, you know, grandkids later on there. And I'm not just talking about can I get them the latest gadget or can I, you know, go to the latest party. Those are all good things, whatever. I'm just saying how can I contribute to their well-being? Not just to their, you know, happiness. What can you do about that? And, you know, we all have the ability to influence people even more than what we realize. And we can do this by using the gifts that God gave us. And I mentioned this before, that we all have different roles that we play because of the personalities that we have and the experiences that we have. Some of you are like great organizers. You can use your organization skills for your family. And some of you are incredible encouragers. You can use that encouragement for your family. You know, some, some of you are just great, like, be there people. Like, people just love to have you around. Well, then be around. Because we all have something that we can bring to this family, right? That's ours to give. And then one last thought here this morning. The strength of your family is some, it's dependent at some level on what you bring, and even faith-wise. What do you bring to your family faith-wise? And this family fell apart here because Cain really brought nothing faith-wise to this family. I think Eve did. I think Abel did. I'm assuming Adam did. But Cain, because he didn't, it all fell apart right there. And I guess what I would say is if you looked at Cain, though, I mean, he he brought an offering, right? He brought a gift. And, you know, he was a farmer, so maybe it seemed like an appropriate thing to give. But somewhere there was something missing in that relationship. And everybody paid the price for it. But as you look at your family, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your family is a real faith. A real faith that lives out the virtues and the values of Scripture, like grace and kindness and forgiveness. A real faith that prioritizes God in your life. A real faith that that encourages um, kindness and gentleness in the, in the fruits of the Spirit. And as we become the Christ followers and the God people that we need to be, that will impact our story as well. You know, even in this story, there's hope because Abel is gone, and that's, it's a pitiful story, isn't it? And yet God sends another son. And as you get to the end of chapter 4, Eve has another son, and through that son, eventually comes Christ. Because there's always hope. And so as we conclude this morning, I want to say that there's always hope in the story. At the top of your notes, if you're using your notes there, is the question that I started with today. What is your role in the family? And I just want to finish by asking you to do this. To identify one role that you have. And either by position, I'm a dad, Or maybe it's by gift or personality or whatever like that. I'm an encourager. Or maybe it's even by another family member. I am so-and-so's, you know, uncle. But identify one relationship in your story. 
And ask yourself this question. How could I do better? This week, could I make a phone call? Could I send a note? Could I play a game? Could I attend something? Could I pray for? Could I work on something in my life that's really kind of like spilling out on everybody else? But what can I do? See, you have the power to make a huge difference. And you have the potential to bring about some incredible changes in the story. So the question is, are we there yet? I don't know. Are you? 